Now, I'm not going to preach this text necessarily. I'm using it as a way to kind of springboard to get us to focus today on the Psalms. P.S. Psalms. P.S. Psalms, not S.A. Psalms. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. And this text is simply going to reveal to us and show us and remind us that even the Psalms are pointing towards Jesus. Okay? And then I'm going to go kind of back to the Psalms and preach the Psalms today. Here's what it says. Then he said to them, these are my words. This is Jesus talking. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Do you see that? The stuff that's written about me, Jesus is saying, in the prophets, the law, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Now Jesus has just done that. See, Jesus is showing he's the fulfillment of this. Okay, this is in my Bible. You can't see it up there, but this is the end of Luke's gospel. He's just died. He's risen from the dead. And now he's teaching them. That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. All the way to Porter. And that's what we heard this morning. We heard the forgiveness of sins, didn't we? And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then you can read the book of Acts and kind of start to see how that uh, unfolds. Let's pray. And then we're going to dig into the Psalms just a little bit, okay? Lord, I thank you for uh, this opportunity to dig into an incredible book of the Bible, the Psalms. Thank you for this opportunity, and I pray, God, that you would come and speak to us now. Speak to our hearts, God, the things that need to be said to each of us individually and collectively. Help us to only hear your words. We, God, we don't want to hear Seth's nice little thoughts or little worldly wisdom things. I pray that that stuff wouldn't even sneak its way into this message or something. God, we, wanna, we want to hear from you. So come and speak now, Lord. Lord, as, yeah, just, just come. Help me, God, to share what you have for us today. I'm humbled that you'd want to use me in this moment. And I pray that you just work in power. Holy Spirit, come and fall afresh upon us. Please, God. Please come and fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, coolest thing about the Psalms, if you got your Bible, you can open up to the middle and you're there. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It's just fun because if I told you to go look up Malachi, you're like, I don't know where Malachi is. I'm not even going to try. You know what I'm saying? But the Psalms, they're right here, right in the middle of the Bible. The Psalms, the Psalms, this is an incredible book. And I'll be honest with you, I'm slowly making it my commitment 
to get to know the Psalms over my lifetime. I don't think I'm going to be an expert in them. I don't think I'm going to, you know, I don't know. I don't even know. But I'm, I have, just in the past couple of years, I have made a commitment to get to know the Psalms. I want to get to know the Psalms. And so it's cool that during this prayer series that I, we just get to talk about them. What are they? What are the blessings of them? And what are these Psalms things? And we've, we've read Psalms before. We know some Psalms. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, we know some of this stuff. But, but let's just talk about it a little more. Because ultimately, the Psalms are about us in a, in a relationship with God and with other people. See, the Psalms are ultimately about relationship. And that's really what, what, what it's always been about. It, it, the story of the Bible is relationship. It's relationship with God and with the rest of humanity and with mankind. We see even in Genesis, right? We see God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. There's this incredible relationship that God has with, 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 with mankind. And this relationship with God is so important to him. And then one of the first problems in the garden is actually a relational problem. God says to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. And so God creates woman. And he brings man and woman together. And all of a sudden now there's this thing of humanity and and people interacting with other people. And then what happens? It's, so this relationship with God is so important and this relationship with other people is so important. And so it's, it's so important that it wouldn't surprise us that the enemy comes to try to divide and break the relationships. And that's what happens. Sin comes into the world and now there's this brokenness in relationship between God and man. And how do we know this? Well, man hides from God. And instead of... You know, when God's walking in the cool of the day, instead of Adam running up and saying, hey, God, let's go for a walk, Adam, he goes and hides behind some trees. And they start to, they start to clothe themselves with fig leaves. And what is, what's going on? Now the brokenness is breaking even their relationship with each other. And now they're ashamed in their nakedness and they're not completely vulnerable anymore. And so now there's, bro- there's a broken, it's broken. The relationship with God gets broken. Relationship with each other gets broken. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with God and back into relationship with each other in a, in a way that, that, that is where love is at the center of it. Love God, when the, when the lawyer asks Jesus, what's the two most important laws, commands? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's talking about. Well, how do we get brought back into relationship with God? It comes through Jesus. Jesus is the one who actually brings us into, back into relationship with God. And so we would say, how, how can we have peace with God again? Through the way, through the truth, through the life. Who is Jesus? And so Jesus comes to pay for your sin by going to the cross and suffering hell for you. Not just dying, although dying in itself as, 
as God is a big deal, but he's also suffering your hell, suffering the eternal consequences of your sin. And so now Jesus makes a way for you to be brought back into relationship with God. And not only God, but now he begins to, what Paul says, we are a new creation. And in that new creatureness, he puts us back into relationship with each other in a new way. And we're already starting to see pictures, signs of heaven on earth even now. As the church cares for each other and loves each other, walks with each other. And we already begin to see glimpses of what our eternal future is going to look like. We already start to see pictures of that, glimpses of that, even now. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's what's going to happen in just a little bit when the little small group meets in the back and they circle up and they break bread together and they fellowship with each other. It's a foretaste of what's to come. The heavenly banquet, one day that we'll celebrate for all of eternity. Best case so ever. It's going to be awesome. Right? And we already start to get pictures of that. Even today, our worship is just a little picture of what's going to be for all of eternity. We already start to get pictures of that as we care for and love the people around us and we're walking with each other. We start to see glimpses even now. It's relationship, though, that Jesus is caring about. And the Psalms help us grow in our relationship because a relationship happens when we're, we're, when we're together, when we're, when, we're, when we're connecting. And so relationship with God looks like listening to him as we open up his word, we hear his voice speak to us. Jesus himself says, my sheep know my voice. And so we listen to the word of God and him speaking what he's saying to us. And then we also pray to him. We talk to him and we, we say the things that we need to say to God. And in this, our relationship with him grows, doesn't it? That's a, that's a good thing. So the Psalms are this, are this cool thing because the Psalms are going to help us with this. See, sometimes you know what to pray. Sometimes you just know what to pray. You know, you got a little grandkid or something that's sick. What are you going to do? God, please heal little Billy. Help little Billy to feel better. That's appropriate. That's a good thing. Uh, sometimes your finances are so out of whack, you're just like, God, please help us with our finances. Help us to get our finances in order. Sometimes you just know what to pray, don't you? There's stuff going on and you're just praying because you're like, I know exactly what needs to be prayed about and I want to tell God and talk to God about this stuff. Sometimes you just know what to say. Sometimes you don't know what to say. You ever been in a spot where you just don't have a clue what to say to God? It's interesting. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, I just love this. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, sometimes we don't know what to say. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. You ever been there? We do not know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have your prayers ever just turned into groans? I mean, if you've been through some stuff, you know what I'm talking about. 
where there's really nothing, audience, you know, you're going to say that's going to connect or you're going to, you don't want to say it, you don't know what to say, and so it turns into a groan and a moan. Sometimes you don't know what to say. When you don't know what to say, this is an incredible text that reminds us that the Spirit of God even hears the tremors of our hearts. And he intercedes for us on, on our behalf. Sometimes it's appropriate to just lay in bed and groan and cry and, and mourn and just weep and not say anything at all. And trust that the Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf. So sometimes you do know what to say. Sometimes you don't know what to say. The Psalms deepen, this is kind of my point here. This is where I want to really go. The Psalms help deepen our prayer life. That's what the Psalms do. Now, why is this? See, the Psalms, what's so cool about the Psalms is the Psalms are both God's word to us and prayers to God. I mean, that's like a, that's like amazing when you stop and think about it. The Psalms are actually words of God to us and then they're also prayers from us to God. They're, they're God saying things to us and they're us saying things to God. And so when we think about it relationally, when we think about a relationship with God where he's talking to us and we're talking to him, it's like, holy smokes, the Psalms are like this awesome little gift. And that's exactly what they are. There's this incredible gift in the Bible where we can actually hear from God and speak to God and there's this kind of relational stuff taking place. See, the Psalms teach us to talk. The Psalms begin to teach us to talk and they drive us, here, here's what they do, they draw us deeper into the story. See, that's what kind of the Word of God does, and that's what prayer does. It, it teaches us to talk, and it draws us deeper into the reality of what we're experiencing in life. Now, if you're not following me, it's okay, and I'm getting a lot of deer-in-the-headlights looks. It's okay. Just stay with me for a second. I have a couple kids, and lately, I've been, I've been holding my youngest daughter, and I've been thinking about you guys throughout the past, this past week as I've been holding her. Because I've been thinking about, this is kind of what it is the Psalms do. See, sometimes I tell my kids, uh, sometimes I tell them just a truth. Like I tell them something like, um, uh, hey, we're going to McDonald's today or something. And I just tell them that, and then they hear that, and then you know, I follow through or don't or something like that with that particular statement. Sometimes I tell my kids what they're, I want them to tell me. And so I might say, hey, you know, I'm, especially I'm thinking of my youngest one who's just one years old, a little Verity. I might be holding her. I might say, can you say, can you say cookie? You know, can you say cookie? I might say something like that. Or I might say, oh, can you say cow? Can you say cow? And she might just, you know, she's staring at my mouth and she's trying to figure out, okay, how do I say cow? But see, sometimes, and I caught myself doing this this past week, sometimes I tell her a truth that I'm also wanting her to say back to me. And the one that I can't shake the most is just dada. 
Like when I say dada to my one-year-old daughter, what is that? Is that a state, like dada? What am I saying? Dada, dada. What am I doing with her? Dada, dada, mama. See, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm telling her a, a truth, a reality that is true, and I want her to say it to me too, don't I? I want her to say, dada, mama. That's what I want. See, that's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are God coming to you and saying, dada, mama. That's what the Psalms are. Last week, the, my illustration of, of fasting was all I was asking you to do is just take a little step, a little baby step, right? Well, today I'm kind of zeroing in on Verdi again. Verdi's been teaching us a lot the past couple of weeks. Nice job, pumpkin. But little Verity, as I hold her, da 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 da, I want her to say it back, and then she says, da da, right? And she says, Mama, puppy, and she starts talking back to me. See, the Psalms are God teaching us how to talk to Him. He's drawing us. He's drawing us deeper into the story of reality. He's helping us experience what's really going on. I'm going to explain this in a second. Stick with me. But he's also teaching us how to talk to him. See, some of you don't, some of you, if we were at Starbucks and we were just spending time together and I said, how's your prayer life or something like that? You'd say, I don't know what to say. A lot of you would say that. I know that. This is the incredible blessing of the Psalms. It's actually teaching you what to say. It begins to teach you what you can talk to God about. Now, this doesn't mean you don't pray for still your little grandson that's got sick and you want him to get better. Yep. Doesn't mean you stop praying about your finances. Nope. All that stuff is free game too. I'm actually somebody who really does believe that you can pray for a good parking spot at Walmart. I believe that. I actually do. I think God cares about that stuff in, in, a, in a unique kind of way. But that's not all God wants me to talk to him about is God, please help me to get the good parking spot. God, please help a little closer next time. God, I mean, this wasn't bad, but a little closer next time. God, come on, get me a little closer next time. God, right next to the handicapped parking spot. That's where I'm looking to go, Lord. That's not the only thing we talk to God about. God wants to grow us in our talking to him. Dada, mama, I love you. I love you. And we start to talk and we grow in our relationship with each other, right? Psalm 23. Could you imagine, could you imagine reading Psalm 23 with that perspective of Dada Mama? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I, I kind of memorize it in the King James. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What if that's, what if that's, God coming to you and saying that, and then you saying that back to him. Could you imagine how your life, your, your entire life would change? Simply praying the Lord's prayer, not the Lord's prayer, praying the, a psalm, 
hearing it as truth, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He may, what if you prayed that, you heard it from God, is, it's true, it's a reality, it's a truth of him opening your eyes to that reality. He is our shepherd. And then you pray that to him and say, God, you are my shepherd. Imagine what's going to, your faith is going to grow. Your relationship with God's going to grow. Dada, mama. This is what God does, is he comes down and coddles you. He gaga goo you. That's what he does. He gaga goo you. It's probably better to think about that. See, you don't think about it like that anymore because you're so great and you got, you know, money in the house and you think you got it all figured out. But God is so God. And so he comes down to you and starts to teach us real truth. I am your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You don't have to want anything. I shall not want. I'm going to make you sometimes just lie down. You make me to lie down in green pastures. I'm going to lead you beside quiet waters. You go ahead and lead me, Lord. I'm going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, I trust you as you walk me through the valley. You know, all of it, the whole thing. That's what the Psalms are. <laughs> Peterson, Eugene Peterson, in his book, who I really have been shaped by uh, in my thinking on the Psalms and who instilled in me probably the idea that I need to grow in my understanding of the Psalms, not just like in a year, but over my lifetime, I want to become... Uh, I want to understand the Psalms. He helped me with this. He says this of the Psalms. Everything that a person can possibly feel, experience, and say is brought into expression before God in the Psalms. I mean, everything that you can imagine, every feeling and experience that you can imagine, we, we can say and we can find these expressions in the Psalms. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I want to switch to him for a second. Oh, shoot, I don't have my, uh, I got a little book. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I like Bonhoeffer. I've, I've, I've shared him a lot in here. Uh, kind of like him because he tried, you know, assassinating Hitler. That's always kind of cool. Uh, Bonhoeffer tried to kill Hitler. Uh, he was a, a pastor over in Germany. Uh, he actually got hung by the Nazis not too soon before, um, uh, far from when they got liberated and all this kind of stuff. But Bonhoeffer's got an incredible story. But what I liked probably the most is just, he was just a pastor. He was just a, he's a guy who just loved people and all that kind of stuff. But he's got a little book, a really short little book on the Psalms. And he breaks the Psalms down into nine different kind of categories. Again, you, there's lots of different ways you can categorize them. But these are some of the categories. Uh, creation, I have them up here on the screen. Uh, creation, history, ch the church, suffering, um, the Messiah, Psalms about the law or teaching or Torah. You can take a picture if you want. I'd just say go buy the little book. It's super short, super short. Uh, guilt, enemies, and the end. And I have a couple little references up there because I'm going to read a couple. But he actually gives a bunch of Psalms 
for each of the categories. And I don't have that represented up there. It's just too much, okay? But you can go find this in this short little book, 20 pages, 30 pages, whatever it is. But creation, just, just hear some of this. I don't have these on the screen, okay? You can leave this there, Lyle. Psalm chapter 8. Uh, Psalm chapter 8 says, uh, you know, it talks about creation. And uh, I think it's David here says this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. It's this psalm that starts to unpack creation and gets us thinking about God as the creator. History. If you go to Psalm 78, uh, you know, it just starts off like this. I'm going to open up my mouth in a parable. I'm going to utter dark sayings that from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And then he says this, we will not hide them from our children, but I'm going to tell it to the coming generations. And then what does it do? Well, it unpacks basically the entire story of the exodus of God taking uh, the people of God out of Egypt. And you can go read the Psalm yourself, Psalm 78. There's a history of of what God has been up to in different psalms. The church, Psalm 46. The Lord is my fortress, my refuge. This is where that powerful kind of Reformation song, Almighty fortress is our God. David, you want me up there next week? I'll get up there, buddy. That's what this is from, Psalm 46. The Lord is our refuge, our fortress. And, and it, it's interesting, there's a lot of plurals in that psalm. So it's not just a, me and God, but he begins to show me how it's a we before God. The church. Um, suffering. Remember when I preached, this was when the, a couple, this was what, last year when that shooting happened down in Uvalde? I just stopped and I preached last year when that happened. Psalm 22 Psalm 44 and Psalm 88. And I tried to tell you to not forget those. Because those are psalms you can go to in incredible um, lament and mourning and deep pain. Psalm 44 kind of comes out at the end with a little bit of a high point. Psalm 88 enters the darkness and it stays dark all the way through even to the end. It's kind of funny, one of my friends actually was a pastor, he went and visited a guy in a, in a, in a, in a hospital, and uh, he, <laughs> the guy was actually doing really a lot better, and was going to be fine, he wasn't going to die, he was going to get out like in a couple days, and he sat and read Psalm 88 embarrassingly, because it just ends in complete darkness and death, which we laughed about. I actually asked him to send it, and I was like, what psalm was it again that you preached? I was like, is Psalm 88? Yeah, he te- texted me this week, and then he sent me, he, he had uh, done a sermon on it uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. It wasn't even too long ago that he did a message on it. Kind of cool. Uh, the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah, Psalm 22, uh, Psalm 69, which are, which are uh, talk about Jesus' coming death someday. Uh, psalm uh, chapter 2, or Psalm 2, and Psalm 110 are the kingly Messiah, the victory, Messiah that's going to have victory. And then there's the law, Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, guilt, Psalm 51, enemies, enemies one always get a little weird, 
You know, this, I read recently the, the one from Psalm 21, verse 12. Actually, let me just talk, let me just push pause on my message and talk about this for just a second. Psalm 21, verse 12 says, For you will put them to flight, God. You will aim at their faces with your bows. <laughs> I wrote in my Bible, intense. God's pointing his bow at people's faces. What the heck is David talking about here? Now, there's a ton of different uh, psalms, actually. And as, if, as you get into the psalms, you're going to find there's some really like, what are you talking about in here? But, but never is this, and see, this is important to understand, never is this a self-revenge psalm. It's interesting, it's always a leaving it to God psalm. It actually even starts to shape the way you think about enemies, even starts to get you to think about how you'd think about spiritual warfare, spiritual enemies. It even starts to get you to think about how you think about people that have, you know, are against the church today. The Psalms actually teach you to give it to God. And it's not self-revenge. We're going to trust God even for those things. Fascinating stuff. So, this is my last question today. What, what happens when we don't can't make sense of a psalm because it doesn't impact my individual life. I read Psalm 13. I read something like Psalm 13 and I, I hear something like this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? What do I do with that when I'm actually doing pretty good? I got my family, my finances are in order, my truck's running good. What do I do with a psalm where it's like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? See, this is what the psalms are beautiful about. They start to bring you into the story that's bigger than just your own life. See, I start to pray that now, recognizing that there's somebody up at Kingwood Hospital here in the ICU who's, who's watching their little kid taking their last breaths. See, I start to enter into the prayers of the people of the church. Read Psalm 150 that's just praise God, praise God, praise God. And you can actually read that psalm even in the darkest of times. Not because you're feeling it, but because it's true. And it's where everything is headed. The Psalms are like a mini Bible. They're just loaded with the whole story of God. Dada, Mama, teaching you how to pray, deepening your relationship with the Lord. This isn't about the fanciness of the prayers. It doesn't mean that they're better because they're like flow and your prayer for the parking spot. That's not what it's about. What did I ground this whole message in? It's about our relationship with God. Who comes out of heaven, puts on flesh to begin to pray the Psalms perfectly. Who's actually experienced Every single one of the Psalms in its fullness. And you haven't. You actually haven't. Because Jesus from the cross in Matthew chapter 27. You've lost loved ones. 
You've been through, people have done things to you that they shouldn't have done. None of it's excusable. It's all terrible and bad. I'm not saying any of this. But you have never had God completely forsake you. You've never had that happen. And Jesus from the cross quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You've never had that fully experienced in your life. You've maybe felt kind of like that. But you've never had God completely forsake you. And yet Jesus hanging on the cross, when Jesus is about to take his last breath, he quotes Psalm 22 and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there on the cross, that's what Jesus really went through. See, he enters into these prayers. And I've been struggling with how to, right here, where to bring it. He enters into these prayers in a way that, I guess I'm just going to say it like this, I can't think of it, deepens our relationship with God and with other people. And we, when we recognize that he himself is praying these prayers, He's entering into our prayer of suffering. He actually knows what you're going through. When he enters into the prayer of joy, when he enters in and he's, he's um, you know, Psalm chapter two is probably a coronation ceremony of a king becoming coronated and yet it's ultimately only fulfilled completely in Jesus Christ as the king of the universe. Psalm two. Psalm 110, same thing. Jesus will be even the ultimate fulfillment of all of these things. It's why this whole message is going to Jesus. It's a relationship journey. It's a relationship journey that we can follow all through the Bible. These Psalms are God coming to talk to you, teaching you how to talk, and drawing you deeper into the story of reality. Drawing you deeper into the story. Does that make sense what I'm saying? What I'm saying is... When I'm just thinking, I'm not thinking about Turkey and 28,000 people dead. See, when I, when I do a prayer like, God, why, why are you not hearing us? Where are you? I'm drawing into the prayer of those who are suffering. And I'm entering in with them to that prayer. And all of the Psalms will end, culminate, guess how? How the story in the Bible ends in Revelation chapter 21. God coming and wiping every tear from your eye. God coming and making all things new. Dwelling with man. And the Psalms end in a high point. Actually three Psalms kind of end the thing pretty awesomely. Psalm 150 and this is how I want to end my message today. No matter what we're going through in this life, this is, this is the end. This is the end. And we even get to Say it now together and pray it to God. And he is talking to us these things. This is the reality. And this is how the Psalms end. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Lord,
I don't know how you spoke to every person in this room about today's message, but I pray that we would at least walk out of here knowing how important the Psalms are. So Spirit, come and meet each person where they're at today. Maybe, maybe they have a great prayer life already. I pray that the Psalms would just be a blessing to those, that person. Maybe there's somebody in here, God, who's never said a prayer to you, never talked to you. I pray that the Psalms would be a blessing to that person. It's kind of the genius, Lord, of these, these prayers is that they're for everybody. They're, they're, not, they're for the person who never has prayed and the person who's been praying their whole life. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, you would, you'd stir us up to take the next step with the Psalms. You know, sometimes, God, I feel like people leave here and they think, I don't even know what he wants me to do. Today is pretty easy. Open up and read and pray the Psalms. I mean, that help us, God, to just take that step. Start seeing the Psalms as this incredible gift to us where you come down and you teach us, Dada, Mama. We start talking back to you. We start learning, God, what you have for us. Help us with that, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this time. We thank you that you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you. For that person today who's not certain of their relationship with you, God, I pray that you'd stir in them a desire to connect with another believer who can just talk to them about the truths, truths of what you've done for them, Help them hear again how, how much you really love that person. I pray that you'd awaken their heart. You'd continue to sight our eyes to see God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this incredible book in the Bible. These incredible prayers. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.